Hello everyone, put down that Reddit nozzle. We'll make a cheeky half an hour on your lunch break. I've got a treat. Planes, trains, automobiles, and more than that, residential. You're in for a treat. 20 seconds. 25 seconds I will be with you. Fifteen seconds. Hello everyone, thank you for joining us on this Tuesday lunchtime special. Strap up, minimize Microsoft Teams just a little bit because I've got an awesome treat for you. Whether you're in the architecture industry or you're a student who's ready to graduate, I've got an awesome, I've got an awesome guest here who I know from the industry, which is Chris Williamson. Chris, how are you today? Really good, thank you. Looking forward to it. I appreciate you being here. And so Chris, for anyone that's not met you before, while I know Western Williamson and Partners, could you tell me briefly about yourself? Yeah, sure. I met Andrew Weston when I was at Leicester Poly. We were about two or three years below Ken Shuttleworth, who was an inspiration to us. And Andrew and I got put for group projects in alphabetical order. They said, Williamson, you can work with Weston. And we found mm. We had compatible skills, different skills, but similar interests, apart from music. <laughs> Andrew loved modern jazz, and I liked 70s disco, and famously once asked me to write down the words of Get Down On It by Cool and the Gang to, to show him how rubbish the, it was. But anyway, Cool and the Gang actually had a Hollywood star on Hollywood Boulevard. But we, got, we, we found that we loved working together in architecture. We, we had similar interests. It was the 1975, mid-70s climate crisis, which was a function of the oil crisis. And we were both interested in, we started to get interested in sustainability. It was a long time ago. But that's what's driven our current practice in looking at getting people out of their cars onto safe, efficient public transport. But the, the, the sort of bones of that were in the 1970s. Andrew won a competition judged by Norman Foster for the Glass and Glazing Federation. And I won the less glamorous Implant Award judged by Tarmac. But we carried on working together after we left Leicester because of our similar interests. I went to work at Michael Hopkins, Andrew went to work at Richard Rogers, and after about five years, we put all our entries together for competitions and for small private jobs. And it got accepted for the 1985 40 under 40 competition. And out of that 40, there's really only us and allies and Morrison that are still together. So there's some, we must be doing something right. That's and amazing. we've we've always had sim the same philosophy that architecture should be good, should be interesting, should be fun. Architects work incredibly hard 
it's a very serious business looking after somebody else's money and all the contractual aspects of it. But we should be able to have a bit of fun as well. And it's nice that Andrew has been a friend all these years as well as a colleague. And I feel very lucky to have had him as a partner. And so that's a sort of long-winded explanation of, as to who we are. We started working together in Andrew's front bedroom, just the two of us. And now there are over 200 of us in five different countries. So it's grown, it's been, it's taken 40, nearly 40 years, but it's grown into something really worthwhile. I think we've done some amazing projects and helped going back to those early days of sustainability and climate change. When we started in the eighties, there weren't that many people that were interested in climate change. It was the Thatcher years and everybody was going for growth and not really interested in sustainability so we've seen fashions change and the mood of architecture change throughout the years but it's we feel like we've contributed something interesting to the climate change debate by focusing really on safe efficient well-designed public transport and playing our part in doing something to alter the way cities work Nice. I think it, it it proves the point, right? You can start in the bedroom, but you can make it all the way. Because 200 people at the moment, that's quite, that's a large architecture practice in the UK. And that's what I was going to ask you at the moment. So in what I'm quite keen at, because I know that you've done some amazing transport hubs, links, stations, which I alluded to at the start. But as well as that, you do all these different types of projects. So what I was just wondering, if you've got a spare moment, Chris, can you give us a little bit of an insight on what Western Williamson and partners get up to today in terms of types of projects and stuff? Yeah, we have been very lucky to work on lots of different kinds of projects. In any architect's office, it's always good to have variety, to have different things happening in the office at different scales, refurbishments. A lot of our early work was refurbishment, design studios, working for companies like Michael Peters and Tony Vines that were graphic designers and fantastic industrial designers doing small-scale work, really interesting refurbishments, and we got a lot of enjoyment out of it. But then after about five years, we won the Jubilee Line project for London Bridge, and that kind of typecasters. We also found that we enjoyed it. We liked working with civil engineers. We liked looking at the way cities were shaped by transport projects. We've done all sorts of different projects In the meantime, we've always had interesting projects in the office. We've done a church hall, we've done a school. We won a competition in Boston, America for against 300 international entries for a $50 million biotech center for an amazing client who started off in his garage and now employs thousands of people in the research industry. But we found that it's hard to get repeat business from those sorts of clients. It's hard. It's hard to we, to get clients that you know. A lot most of our clients in architecture might only build something once 
in a lifetime. But because of our interest in transport and everything that it, all the values that it has and the way it shapes cities, it's, it helps combat climate change, it helps regenerate communities. We, we've specialized in that and that's led us to work abroad. So we have offices in Sydney, in Melbourne, in Toronto, in Riyadh now. And it's been a fantastic career. It's not what I thought I would probably end up doing. There's a side of me that wishes we'd done more cultural projects. And, but there's also still time to do that. I'm not finished yet. And I've got a new lease of life. I've just bought an old church in my hometown of Ilkeston in Derbyshire, which I've regenerated at this disused, beautiful church to a community arts centre. So that's, that, that, that. I think most people I met meet in the architecture profession. I've been heavily involved in the RIBA and heavily involved in the company of architects. Most architects are incredibly passionate, incredibly hardworking, uh, but it's a very broad career and it sometimes helps to specialise to say this is what we do, particularly when it comes to working abroad. We, we've been lucky to work abroad on different kinds of projects, but primarily we've got this specialism in transport architecture that everybody in the office really loves. And we, as an office, we're very... We like to share the responsibility. We're not dogmatic in the way that we design. We try and involve everybody. And the kind of projects that we do means that you can give people responsibility for different aspects of the projects and help them realize their own ambitions within the office. So we've always wanted to be a very inclusive office and try and share out the design responsibility to involve everyone and we have we try and make it as friendly as possible obviously it's architects work hard but we have a football team we have a basketball team sorry netball team softball we have life drawing classes book club and photography competitions and friday ideas where we try and look at our projects that other people are doing or things that are going to improve the city, looking at ideas that we, if we dreaming up our own solutions for the embankment or the way that the river works or whatever. So it's trying to have a bit of fun amongst all the work, I think. Nice. Yeah, that's brilliant. Cause, and you've given a bit of insight there, which is great. I've always wondered what the typical day in the life of an architect in your company is, Chris. Years ago, when I was a part one, I have I applied to join your practice and I went for an interview, but this was during the pandemic and it was just a tough time at the moment and you guys made a great impression. I, in the end, I went to EPR, but I always wondered what would have been like to work in your studio and you've given a few insights there but what is it like now then Chris in 2023 to work in the London studio for example I'm probably not the best person to ask to be honest but I, I think we've always tried to keep to the same values I think 
the only metrics you can look at is people leaving and people being happy. And we obviously have regular reviews. We have a efficient, I think, a good mentoring system where we talk to everybody about what they want to achieve in their career. Because it's easy to, for us to tell people what we need them to do. But in order to mentor them, the older I get, the more I feel we're on this planet for a short time to help each other and to help get people to, to realize their own ambitions, to raise them up. You're lucky, I think, if you meet, I've been incredibly lucky to meet four or five people that raise you up, that encourage you to do things and take you to the next level. And you've got to keep giving people those opportunities and f find out what they want to do and give them that opportunity to do it. So I, I think at the moment, it's quite competitive in trying to find staff. So people have a choice of where they're going to work. We're always aware of that and trying to make the offer of working for us or the, or the sort of potentially boring things, but very important things like life insurance and healthcare and pensions and they're all holidays and remote working. They're all good, but also making sure people have a, a career structure, they know in five or 10 years time, what grade they can aim for and how far they can go. And I think I had a wonderful time at Michael Hopkins and I think Andrew would probably say the same about Richard Rogers, but I don't think either of us really knew if we stayed where we would end up because they're, they're quite, at that time, architects weren't very focused on career development and they the, I think that's always a problem when I was at college there were so many fantastic architects like Powell and Moyer, Chamberlain, Powell and Bond, Shepard Robson that did amazing work but when the, the original partners left there was a kind of downturn because the partners that came in didn't have the same values and didn't have the same philosophy and some of them don't exist anymore. Some of them almost have to wait a few, another generation before coming back. Yeah. So trying to look at how you give away responsibility, which is tough to do because, you know, not many years ago, I used to organize the Christmas party, used to choose the Christmas crackers, used to do everything that you know, now I've got no idea where we're going for Christmas lunch or whatever. And I, there's still part of me that is quite controlling, but you have to learn to let go and let other people. You can't give responsibility to people without delegating the authority to get on and do it and not complain if you don't like the Christmas crackers or whatever it is, whatever minor thing irritates you. You just have to get on with it. But I, I think... It's an art to having that sort of succession and bringing on people that... But I think that's one of the things I love about my job is seeing a graduate walk through the door for an interview. It reminds me so much of when I did that. You walk through the door of somebody and you're nervous and you don't know where your career is going to go. 
but seeing them in five years time there's some people that have, were here for five years working on crossrail and then went out to australia with us working on the melbourne metro and it's just fantastic to see that they've got married or they've got kids or they've got dogs or they've got lovers and it's nice to see be part of that it's i get just as much enjoyment out of that side of the business as i do about the architecture i think we forget that we are in a people business and we have to nurture people and we're you we i think i've got a responsibility to help raise those people up and help them achieve their aims as other people have helped me in my almost 40 years in the business so yeah i'm still enjoying my work and still enjoying the practice and hopefully you'd have to speak to other people here to find out the other side of but we try anyway that that's our aim to try and share out and it's a hard, I teach at the London School of Architecture and I'm a visiting professor at East London University. So I try and keep abreast of what young people are doing and thinking and what they want to do. And it has changed a lot, but the basics haven't changed much. And there's still not many problems that I see that we haven't encountered before. Obviously, technology has changed a lot and the world's a slightly different place a lot of it for the better but some of it not so good we have huge challenges ahead but i'm i've always been an optimistic person and i'm sure we'll get the we'll achieve the right solutions yeah yeah it makes complete sense it does sound at all exciting what i was going to ask you because you talked about future generations and that you enjoy seeing people come up and through and being part of that family in your office and developing through their careers a lot of the audience chris at the moment are maybe architects earlier in their career or maybe they're becoming qualified and so on and so forth what would you and you've conducted a lot of interviews running an architecture practice what i'd love to ask you is do you have any insights or little pearls of wisdom that you would impart for anyone that's looking for a job at the moment perhaps maybe it's questions or approaches they never thought to ask or maybe things that you've seen over the years which you think stood out for you amongst the many people that you've perhaps met? I'm often surprised just at how many people get the basics wrong when they come for an interview, that they, right from the very first letter that they write, or often now it'll be an email rather than a letter, but we get people writing saying, oh, we love your, I love your work, I admire what you do. And then they haven't blank carbon, they haven't, blank copied everybody else in. You can see who they've sent exactly the same email to. Mm. And that fundamental things like that. I think we, if you're going to say something like that, you have to give a evidence of the things that you like. And you, if you say something like that in a letter and you, then you turn up for an interview, you, at least you have to name one project that, that they've done. And if you make the mistake of getting the name wrong or getting the project wrong, or it's, it's no different to how we would go about choosing a, a, you know, a craftsman or somebody to 
paint the house or whatever you've got to show enthusiasm and if you don't show enthusiasm and interest why would anybody else be interested if there are choices then you're at the bottom of the of the choice because you haven't been enthusiastic so you've got to be honest be honest and i think enthusiasm in life goes a long way and you've got to have the technical skills but i think i've always given the benefit of the doubt and i think other people have as well when you look at one of the architects i admire the most is norman foster and he gave mark sutcliffe when he was 28 the job of being project architect for the willis faber and the same with david morley on the reno factory if you're young enough and enthusiastic enough you'll get that chance you'll get that responsibility and it's the same in sport if someone is good and enthusiastic even if they're young you throw them into the team and you you need people who are enthusiastic if they're enthusiastic they will learn and get better if they're not it doesn't matter how good they are they if they're not team players they won't really help you yeah um, yeah i think a bit of enthusiasm and interest and a bit it goes a long way to to when you go for an interview when you're starting out and because we all we all it's a very passionate profession you don't have to agree with everybody's design philosophy i still get incredibly enthusiastic about going to see new buildings and then when i was in my that must have been 30 when i went to see the probably the when i saw the center pompidou for the first time i can remember running down the street i was so excited when i saw it in the distance to get to it so i think that kind of enthusiasm to to still have that is we architects do get it is a, a very long career but a very exciting career and we should rightly be really proud of it i think we there are some fantastic architect there's some fantastic architecture around and it's getting really interesting when you think of how technology has changed the way that we work over the last 10 years in our business of mainly transport related architecture when you consider the technology will change the way we travel around and between our cities it's going to have the most amazing effects on our urban environment and i think it'll be fantastic it'll be really interesting i think it's a very hopefully green and pleasant future because of there'll be less cars there'll be less people driving there'll be more space for cyclists and pedestrians and we've got the technology to build differently to employ green technologies and to make it a much more attractive city than it has been so i think both the way that we're going to travel and the way that we're going to build our buildings and design them is incredibly exciting and then we're going to have to maintain that level of enthusiasm and excitement because there's more and more people living in cities moving to cities it's a worldwide issue and we if we design those cities correctly and i think london has been a good it led the world in some ways by 
cutting down, making it harder to drive, making it easier to take public transport and giving more space and time for pedestrian and cyclists, which is why English architects and English en engineers have been invited to work abroad because everybody wants to learn from what London has done. But we need to keep that up and make sure we are not complacent and keep ahead of the game because China and the Far East, Singapore, lots of, they're incredibly quick learners. And 10 years ago, we were doing quite a lot of project planning in China. And now they learn very quickly what you can do. And some of the Judge the World Architecture awards every year and you see the entries from china it really is fantastic so they they we're going to have to continue I, one of my big things at the riva was always cpd and continual education and i think if we're going to keep ahead of the game we, we really need to improve our uh, lifelong learning and make sure we have something to offer which other countries don't yeah fair right. enough i tell you what we had one or two comments that came in when we were talking sonda says hi hey, chris hello everyone i was going to say for anyone in the audience if there's a quick question that you wanted to answer chris is probably ask chris it's probably last chance saloon i was going to ask you chris what you are excited to what you are excited about in the future you alluded to the city and, and so on and so forth but it may be perhaps in terms of western williamson and partners what are you excited about in the neck in the short to medium term on the horizon so I've got a new lease of life, really. I'm in my mid-60s, and I, I look at people like Norman Foster, who's in his mid-80s, and I hope I still have the same level of enthusiasm. I think I will have. I'm continually optimistic about the future and want to be a part of it. So we've just joined an engineering group, a French engineering group called Aegis. And they, primarily because they're giving us access to different markets. So we've now got opportunities that we haven't had for the last 10 years in, in different places. And that, that's incredibly exciting, being able to take what we've learned in the UK and abroad in Australia and Canada and take that into new markets. And it, so that's a very exciting time. In terms of the business, I'm now the chairman of Western Williamson and looking at those overseas markets to help the way that we work, improving hopefully other cities around the world. And yeah, it is, you know, it depends on your nature. I think as a, we, there are lots of problems in the world, but I think I, we, we do tend to find a way of solving them. We, once we know what those problems are, whether it's smoking or whether it's the combustion engine or whether it's coal-burning fireplaces in, in Victorian terraced houses, we do tend to do something about them. And the challenges of global warming are immense. But 
we know what we need to do. We've just it's harder to solve when you're relying on every country in the world to do their bit. It's not something that can be solved by a handful of countries. But I think it will happen, and we know what we now know what we need to do, and we do have the solutions to do it. And as architects and engineers, we need to put pressure on the politicians to make sure that we do that and to keep on banging the drum for climate change and sustainability. So it is, there's a lot, there's a lot to do. And it's, it's a fantastic career to be part of. Mm. Uh, and with lots of different opportunities, I've chosen my particular path, but other people in the office, the youngsters in the office that they choose the education architectural education is very expensive so some of them choose to do different things like graphics or just or computer visualization or become very technical or go into management so it's a very broad profession mm. and there is a role for a lot of different kinds of people and a lot of different kinds of architects nice Chris, we've got before last chance saloon before you you get swooped away because I know you've got a lot of projects and we've caught you at lunch. I've had one or two things come in. I've had to double check in the background and because I, while I'd like to prepare for these things, I must admit I'm not too sure if this is true or not. But Shilandra says, when your next children book is coming out, I've Googled in the background when you were talking, there is a Chris Williamson who's done a children book. Is that you, Chris? Have you done a book? It is, yeah. Thank you, <laughs> Shelley, for that. That's very... So, yeah, that's taken me by surprise. But I had my... my I, I wrote a children... It's sort of something that I thought I would have to wait till I retire to do, but I've always... It's something I've always wanted to do. And I wrote, when, when lockdown happened and nobody, you couldn't go to the cinema anymore, you, once you got tired of watching the box sets, I just thought, well, I'm, this is what I'm going to do in the evening. I'm going, to fin I'm going to start and finish this children's book. So I wrote it. I did all the illustrations. Or I did half of the illustrations and then asked a Spanish girl we had in the office who, who finished them off and uh, we did we did my illustrations as well and did a fantastic job but yeah it was, it's based if you want to know <laughs> it's available it, it's uh, it's based on that that sketch in friends where ross says he's oh, phoebe says she's your lobster and lobsters mate for life they don't actually mate for life that's a myth but it's about two lobsters that fall in love and then get separated in a tsunami and then find each other many years later. But it's, it was, it, it, I really enjoyed doing it. It was a fantastic thing to do. And I suppose when I was at, when I was at school, I had a place at Leicester Poly to do graphic design. And that was, but then I picked up a book written by David Rock. David Rock had done all the illustrations about architecture and architecture had more of a sort of social purpose to it. So I begged Lester to let me study architecture instead. But I still have this fascination and interest in the graphic arts. And so during lockdown, I managed to finish my children's book.
So that, but that, that, I thought I would have to wait for 20 years before I did it. But I haven't got any plans to do another one. <laughs> and I, it's very interesting because I, 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 I'd never done the research on the lobster fact from friends. So I've learned a few things, Chris, partly about the practice, Weston Williamson. So thank you for that. But also about children's book. There you go. Shalandra, you maybe have a second career in journalism or something because you found some sneaky gems there. So Chris, I appreciate all you've done. It's amazing. I'm going to bring up the website one more time, but for anyone that's tuned in halfway, or maybe they've got a further question or they want to check out the website, or maybe they want to apply for a job, where do they get in contact with you, Chris? Yeah, it's very easy. We have a recruit mailbox. So it's recruit at westernwilliamson.com and everything gets looked at and you're, we are looking for people different levels. But yeah, recruit at westernwilliamson.com is, is the best way of you, somebody will look at it and get back to you. Brilliant. I will put that link on really quickly just before we go. That is recruit at westernwilliamson.com. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate it. I can't wait to see more uh, projects that come up and maybe you can come back at some point and show us all those cool projects that you're now doing around the world at Western Williamson, but also part of the Aegis Group. So thank you so much for your time. I'm going to end the live stream in a second, but stay on the stage for one minute, Chris. I'm just going to say goodbye to everyone in the audience. I know we had one or two more questions that come in, but you can get in contact with Chris on LinkedIn as well, and you can drop Western Williamson an email. Thank you so much for your time. I will end the live stream now. Chris, stay on the stage. And thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And I will see you soon. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you.